Log Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the show, folks. This is all about wine. Again, on with you. Sure. Close this out, and we're good. All right. All right. <laughs> no idea. All right. Just sitting there playing with the buttons. And Mike's got this big board in front of me. Likes to play with the buttons. So, just uh, you know. One thing. There we go. All right. Cool. And it works. That's All right. the amazing thing. He plays with the buttons yeah. and everything works. So, so far. So far. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the first show. thing we're going to talk about tonight before we get into anything else, and I know it's all about wine, but I have to share this with all of my listeners out there. I don't know if any of you play golf, but you know I do because I mentioned playing golf every once in a while. I played Tuesday at a golf course just uh, north of Tampa called the Groves Country Club, well, Golf and Country Club. And on a par three, 145 yards, I got a hole in one. Wow. Amazing. I, you know, I figured I'd go my whole life without getting a hole in one. And I did it there. Uh, the guy I was playing with, Frank, looked at me. I looked at him. We both just laughed. It was it was just amazing. I hit it straight. The, the flag was, yeah, really. And into the hole. There you go. Okay. I hit it. <laughs> I hit <laughs> Hit it straight up the fairway. The the flag was in the back of the green only just straight. It wasn't to the sides or anything like this, which obviously was beneficial because I hit just straight up the fairway. It rolled onto the green. It just kept rolling, rolled up, and hit the flag stick and fell. So mm. my first hole-in-one in my life, and more than likely my last hole-in-one in my life, but I... Called a friend. How long of mine. have you been? You've been golfing? golfing for how long? Yeah. Oh, geez. Let's see. Uh, my son was in college. He's uh, eighteen years, nineteen years, something like wow. that. Um, not a lot. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm golfing more now because I found people to golf with. We golf every week, but there's some years I only six or seven games, and others I played a lot, but. You know, well, even six or seven games at 18 holes, there's a lot of holes there and still no holes in one. And so I called a friend of mine, told him about it when I got back, and he said, 
If it were me, I'd just pick up the phone and start dialing random numbers. When the answer say, I made a hole in one. And then, you know, just <laughs> 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 brag about it. That worked. But, uh, yeah, you know, I thought about it. Seriously thought about it. But, uh, um, with, no. so, uh, excited, excited about it. I was really, I was thrilled and, and saved the golf on, uh, wrote on it what happened, and obviously the scorecard. But uh, I have had great putts over the years. I have had great drives. I have had some great pitching and, and everything that is involved in the game of golf. But first hole-in-one, I say first as if there's going to be more. I doubt that very much. But you never hey, know. We'll you never know. Straight you never there. know. It could, it could That's happen. That's true. So, um, so I, I had mean, to, yeah, you're right. I got my first one. That's strange error. So you, obviously it proves your comment that strange things happen. So um, we so, got a message from Carolyn in in uh, chat, and I believe she's on, looks like Facebook, says a hole-in-one, amazing congrats. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's something that, uh, few people get in their lives and and some people get a lot, but Hey, so I had to brag about that a little bit before we started. I know the show's all about wine, but that's something I had to, had to talk about, had to, had to mention. We've, ventured off topic before so it's not a this lot is a very good further occasion. than this <laughs> <laughs> way yeah. out there <laughs> way out there a lot further than Almost. just talking about golf <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this yeah. Is well and I'm deserved. a sports fan and I, I've mentioned yeah. sports quite a bit so you know I, this is really you know, you know but some of the other topics oh my gosh yes uh, yeah so uh, <laughs> yeah. so so let's get back uh, on on the on wine. I, I've got some stuff. I told you last week I was going to talk about a couple of things, uh, terpenes and wine, and then we were going to talk about the wine education courses. And I've got a few other things here that I found that you might find interesting. I hope anyway. That's what the show's all about, hoping you'll find stuff interesting. And... If there's any topics you want to cover, any questions you have or anything, you can always get in touch with us. Then you don't have to be on the show. If you have a question, if you want to get in touch with us, you can also call us on, or not call us, I'm sorry, email us at allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. And I'll take care of your questions and on the show or answer them to you directly or whatever. So we'll... Try to accommodate as much as we can. If you know anyone who wants to be a guest, get in touch. We'd love to have a guest on. we got some coming up uh, next month and July, a couple guests that are going to be coming up next month. So, and hopefully find more than that. But if you know anyone or if you are associated with the wine industry and you want to be on, then we're happy to get you on. Uh, so, all right, let's see. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about is terpenes and isoprenoids. A, you may have heard of wine describes as it's, it's a compound found in wine. Terpenes seem to be 
get most of the attention. Uh, whenever they do studies and everything, terpenes are one of the things that they always. This is the the floral, the the rose, the citrus, the pine, minty aromas that are also associated with uh, different different wines. This is this is from terpenes, and uh, there's also uh, uh, petrol pepper. Uh, that family is all part of uh, the the greater family of terpenes and uh, I still, uh, my, my mother-in-law lives with us and she is okay now, I guess. Okay. Um, also part of the, the terpene family and uh, I see pernoids. And so, uh, all grapes, uh, some of them a lot, but some of them not so much. Some of them have just, you know, jumps out at you, and then some of them are below your century threshold, so you may not pick them up. Some people have better olfactory senses, and so they can pick up the terpenes and some of them that are low that you might not. There are more than 4,000 terpenes in the natural world. There's a lot of them, but there's only about 75 of them that have been identified in grapes. And only of those, just, you know, three or four dozen that are found in wine. So it's not a lot. Now, most most of the time when the conversation is about terpenes and wine are the monoterpenes. That is the floral, the rose, the citrus, that, that family of them. And it's, it's a pretty big family. It's compounds called isoprenoids. Uh, and although all grapes have monoterpenes, aside from a few varieties like uh, the muscats and the gewurztraminers, they don't really define the wine. It's there, and you can sniff it, and you can find it, but it's not really a a major thing in a wine, but you can, others you can find very strongly. For example, the Muscat wine, as the, the sweet wine, some people don't like it, some people love it. It is a classic example of, of terpenic wine. It is, uh, uh, got the uh, smell of the grape, uh, the rose-scented terpenes in it. Uh, it, it the the muscat has varieties has a linalool family of terpenes that are like nine times the level that you need for your sensory perception. That's why it jumps out so much. Um, the other wines like Riesling's uh, Albarino, the amount of linalool in the wine is just right at the sensory threshold level for your uh, for your nose for the smell, so it doesn't come out of much. But the muscat really jumps out at you, and even when the compounds are below the level, the the wine's aroma is indirectly affected by it. Also, uh, there's uh, different compounds in them that will bring out different smells. Now, there's not peaches in the wine. There's not stuff like this in it. But sometimes you will pick up a peachiness in a wine or something. This is from the terpenes. 
the uh, another one that is very common is rose smelling terpene. You find that in a gewurztraminer. That's funny. I've never considered rose in gewurztraminer. I guess maybe it's something I should look for a little bit more. I'm always looking for a way to describe a gewurztraminer. And I guess rose might be what I'm looking at. Uh, the cooler climates are the uh, ones that are better for bringing out the uh, the, the uh, aromatic compounds in the Gewurz demeanor. Uh, Gewurz is uh, much more uh, aromatic and the juiciness and all that. Uh, Bartoli Pope, who has uh, a winery, says that the pre-fermentation intensity shows just how terpenic Gewurztraminer is, uh, but the really comes out during fermentation. That's when she starts getting the the strong smell for the Gewurz. She said around 90% of monoterpenes in grape must are bound to other molecules, and they are not arom- uh, they are non aromatic until liberated during fermentation. So when the fermentation comes out, uh, starts fermenting, it releases the uh, the monoterpenes in the grapes, and you start getting more and more of aroma. She says because of that, she leaves them in contact uh, with the skin longer to try to bring it out more, increasing the time that she leaves the gewurz on skin up to 18 hours. The uh, uh, Lesser-known families of terpenes also have an effect on what you're smelling, too. Uh, the uh, terpenes are more accurately classified as isoprenoids, uh, which are then further classified the amount of carbon atoms they possess. So the isoprenoids are a level down, and then you have others that are represented in other levels there. The... Uh, there's a wide variety of grapes that are essential, uh, that have essential elements of the isoprenoid family. And these are described as leafy or minty, fruity, floral, or even earthy notes. And I'm sure you've had those or used those or even heard people talk about those. Those are a neuroisoprenoid group that really gives you those. So when somebody says that you can, oh yeah, that's the neuroisoprenoid group. And it sounds really important there. Uh, there's one of the best known is uh, TDN, uh, which is a big long name. I'm not going to destroy it for you. But this contributes to the petrol aroma that you get. This is also part of the neuroisoprino group. And reasonings, age reasonings, really have a lot of the TDN in it, 25 times the century threshold level uh, in age reasonings. Uh, so you're going to smell it. It's there. Cabernet Franc can have TDN levels three times above the threshold. And it can be also found uh, around the threshold of a higher in Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and Pinot Noir. So TDN concentration can increase significantly as the wine ages. So therefore, the petrol character occurs more in the aged wine. Uh, there's a, another group, the Rotundin group 
of isoprenoids contributes to the black pepper aroma that you'll find in Syrah, uh, Grunewaldliner, uh, in uh, Carmenere. These are all from the uh, rotundin group of isoprenoids. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the cooler climate brings out these. Hang on for one second. She's in the shower. She's in the shower. Okay. My mother-in-law's calling for for my wife or daughter, and she's getting louder and louder. And I just want to tell her that she was in the shower. Mother-in-law is a hundred years old, so sometimes. <laughs> oh well. God bless her. Okay, as wines age in the bottle, various isoprenoids develop in different ways. Uh, TDN, as noted, may increase. Rotundin levels are highly stable over time. And many of the monoterpins uh, over a period of years will get very stable. So these are things that are being in the wine, and you will be able to detect these, and these will come up and and be noticeable even more so as wines are getting a little bit older not bad but older climate change is increasing temperatures in places but it's also causing colder temperatures in places and you know we know this we always talk about the going up but the colder temperatures in some places is causing the wines to ripen later and then it gives them a chance to be on the vine during the frost, during the first frost. And these are your late harvests, and these are the ones that are going to be a little bit sweeter. Uh, they found out that some of these wines are the floral taint in the wine, a floral, an increase in floral taint in some of the wines. And they have check that further and it's not so much in the grapes they found that the floral tank comes from the frozen leaves and leaf stalks that have made their way into the fermentations from mechanically harvested wines not something that they're looking for not something that you're doing on purpose it's just something that they are uh, finding in as a byproduct, if you will, of mechanically fermented wines. So, uh, the isoprenote family is the aromatic family. This is the the terpenes uh, that uh, terpenes. I'm pronouncing wrong again. Terpenes that you find in the wine. So, if somebody says, "Oh, I'm picking up these floral notes of rose and citrus and pine and mint aromas." or even petrol or pepper, these are all part of the terpene family and the isoprenodes that you find in that family. So next time you have yourself a glass of wine and you start picking up these things, you can say, I, I know where those come from. Or if you hear someone makes a comment, you can always sound really knowledgeable by pointing that stuff out to them. So something to remember there. I was going to talk to you last week and uh, we ran out of time, but 
I have uh, have it now. I was going to talk about wine classes, and uh, we've talked about the different degrees of study you can get and the different types of skill levels in different classes and what everybody went through. In fact, we've had guests on uh, this couple, three weeks ago, we had a guest and she was still in the middle of her classes. She's passing, you know, like Mike asked her, is she going to go further and probably and stuff like that. So, but there's a lot you can learn in wine, obviously. I mean, it's just the shelves and shelves of books at bookstores and in the libraries on wine. And there's courses all over the country and all over the world that you can go to universities and different uh, places to learn about wine. It's just uh, an endless, endless uh, trove of knowledge out there on wine. But... We are living in an age now where we can't go to classes. We can't go out to the bookstore. We can't go to the libraries. These things are, you know, somewhat restricted to us now because of, well, COVID-19. So we have to find other ways. So there is online courses that you can take. And also there's wine education you can get in the comfort of your home and feel better about it. A uh, question was asked last week, uh, what wine for, you know, if you're feeling anxious and getting some anxiety, you know, concentrate on some wine classes. That'll put your mind on something else there. Uh, two types of wine classes, free and paid online courses. And, of course, they have their pros and cons. Now, free courses... The pros, they're free. That's a pretty good deal. You don't have to worry about paying for them. You can just sit back and do it. Let's talk about the cons. It's very little guidance. There's no person-to-person interaction. No certification at the end. Nothing that says, uh, okay, here you passed this course. You have this knowledge now. None of that stuff is, is there. So, uh you know, this, uh, and it's just patchwork information. Now, the paid courses, the pros, you have guidance. Uh, courses include more than just videos. They have peer-to-peer support. There's live seminars that you can be part of. And a lot of them offer and recognize your accomplishment with certificates or certifications or stuff. But the cons, that cost you money. It's not free. Usually around $200 or more, up to $500 if you're getting certifications and all that. And these are each course. And that doesn't mean that the one course is going to get you, hey, I'm a, a knowledgeable person here. This is what I can do. That's That gives you levels and different levels uh, on most of them. We have talked about the levels of certification on different areas before and this is one of it there are different levels that you have to go through and each one of them cost you money so free wine learning okay it's it's patchwork it's not uh, there's free videos out there some good content videos out there and it, they're usually pretty easy to follow they're geared up for people that are trying to learn it's uh, 
theory and service, and they have taste-alongs, you know, like uh, video tasting, so you can get wines and taste along with them. There's also um, great courses. I don't know if you're familiar with that. They have a course on wine there, which is, is pretty good. I got that quite a few years ago just to see what it's like. It's a very good course. They have some interesting stuff and in taught by a very knowledgeable uh, instructor. So that's something that uh, you can look into there. I think that was like you know $40 or something. General wine knowledge in these free courses, uh, self-learning features you, you uh, some of them seven hours of videos with uh, people on YouTube including uh, Guild Som and LCBO and Wine Folly and all these uh, series you learn basics of wine and the professional tasting methods and introduce you to different worlds wine regions and the world's wines, the popular ones. They don't, you're going to learn about France and Germany and the United States and the, the, the areas you, uh, uh, the different areas that you know about, but they're not going to go into areas like uh, Croatia and, and Georgia and stuff like that where they do have wine. So this is one of the things about these courses. They'll, they'll give you some basics and it's good. I mean, if you don't know a lot about wine, it's a good way to start getting some knowledge and get into it. Now, wine service. This is for servers and hospitality people. This is a little bit more, a little bit more knowledgeable areas here. This is if you're hoping to brush up on your wine skills for a restaurant or something. All the basics on this list I'll be reading you here. Yeah, it tells you how to open a bottle of wine with a waiter's corkscrew. How to understand to never let a champagne bottle explode. Uh, videos from quality educators like the Guild Psalm, the Wine and Spirit Education Trust, the WSCT, and Winefall. You also have extra tips on serving and pairing wines and food. And so that is one of the things about paid courses that is. Uh, a good thing to look into and go after. Now, getting confident ordering wine in a restaurant and handling wine in a sophisticated setting is another part of the series that you can get. And some of these are free. This series of videos features practical knowledge on how to read and navigate through a wine list, what the wine labels mean, pairing wine and food. And this is just different wine people that will be teaching classes like this. I think these are free also. Uh, you can uh, go on there and they'll, they'll give you a little bit more information on so you don't look like a fool if you're ordering wine for a group of people or something. It just gives you some basics what to look for. And you can also check out Wine 101 uh, on just Type in Wine 101 on your search engine. A lot of times it gives you some basic information on wine. And there's also PDF guides all over the place that you can go to and look up and things about wine. I could say there's lots of wine stuff. Now, those are all free. You can also go paid. 
Now, this is going to cost you. Obviously, that's what the word paid is. It's going to cost you some money here. And there's, I mean, just a myriad of, of educators online. I, you, you can't believe how many people are out there offering online coaching. It's, and I, a lot of them charge you. I, you know, if you want to take a class, I'll teach you one-on-one and I'll go through all this stuff with you and it's going to cost you money. And some of them are certified in different areas and stuff like that. Most of them are, I doubt. Very many people would be up there very long if they didn't know what they were doing. But this is a, a, a short list. Okay, Wine Styles Tasting Course. Uh, award-winning wine communicator Madeline Puckett offers a hands-on tasting course. And it gives you an overview of wine while you're training your palate. The course features six wine styles, two whites and four reds. And it goes through the fundamentals of smelling and tasting and all that. Uh, it says the course is upbeat, given Puckett's enthusiastic style. And it is fun and uh, interactive. The supplemental guide acts as a tasting toolkit, but also includes detailed information on wine regions and wine stalls. And the wines obviously are sold separately. There are different levels. Uh, beginner, which they say is great for groups, and that includes two-plus hours of on-demand videos plus a 20-page guide and wine pur wines purchase list. It is no certificate at the end. It costs 20, or $19. I guess if you're going to have a group, it's just $19 for that alone. So it's, you know get a group of, you know, four or five people together and, you know, a few bucks and you've got yourself some knowledge. And it's always fun to taste with people. Another course that is put on, this is by Janice Robinson. It's Mastering Wine. And this is the wine expert who helps curate the Queen's Wine Cellar, offers a three and a half hour exploration into wine fundamentals. So I don't know what the accent's going to be like. Some people can't understand accents. I don't know if hers has one or not. I've never heard it. The course is broken down into six sections, and it says packed with information on each section. She provides a clear overview in the winemaking process, guides you through how to taste, gives tips on buying wines, and common mistakes to avoid, and... Uh, I just my engineer just brought me our our wine for this evening. We we just got this yesterday. This is let me take a break from the telling you about that level and tell you about the wine. This is Freak Show, and it says a Michael David joint. So it's Michael David wine. On the front is like a circus Freak Show. Uh, they have a. A person standing there, dog boy, I guess you would call him the dog boy face, the long hair and all that standing there. And and people from the early 1900s, late 1800s, and the freak show and all the people are, are standing around and all that and on the label. Quite a quite an elaborate label, actually, and it covers three-fourths of the bottle. 
Tinted in a Bottle by Michael David Winery Grayton, or Grayton, California. And 750 milliliter. It's just a little ticket in the back tells us stuff here. Sort of a, a cute way to do it. Contains sulfites and the government warning. And that's it. It doesn't tell you anything else. It just says 2017 red wine. Alcohol by volume, 15%, which is a little bit high, most around 13.5 or so. It is from Lodi. Uh, but that's it. Very little information on all that. Uh, we picked it up yesterday uh, while we were out doing some grocery shopping. We did get this at the grocery store. And while we were at the grocery store, I was able to see some of the canned wines that they had there. We talked about canned wines last week and how they have grown and been uh, becoming more popular and the sales ratio and all that. Tune in last week's show if you haven't heard it yet. And, but I checked out some canned wines there and they had uh, maybe 10. I don't even think that many. I, maybe Maybe six. And they range in price from $12 a can. Uh, it was a Cabernet Sauvignon. I can't remember the name of the uh, producer, but uh, $12 a can Cabernet Sauvignon. It was a 375 mill- milliliter can, which is half a bottle. And oh, I can't think of the name of it. Should have wrote it down. I always tell you to write stuff down, then I don't. It was uh, a Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. And they also had uh, a uh, Pinot Noir. They had uh, Underwood. Uh, Underwood's around all over the place, uh, plus a couple others. But the $12 can was the most expensive. Most of them ranged around five, uh, $5.99, stuff like that, uh, on a bottle or a can. Most of them are 375 milliliters. So that was... That was interesting uh, to see those. I since we just talked about. It. All right, freak show. Let me see what we got here. Boy, this is a, a nice color. Hmm. It's smells <laughs> smells like fresh red grapes. Uh, it really does. It's it's amazing. It's it's got some nice aroma. I can detect. Uh, Dark fruit in this, a lot of dark fruit, uh, not so much plum, but dark berries, blackberries, and stuff like that, and the aroma. And the taste. Surprisingly, it's not hot. That's another term that's used to describe high alcohols. If a wine is described as hot, that's usually higher alcohol. Not really hot, not really high alcohol. You can't really taste alcohol. It's got some tannins in it. I think as that thing ages, tannins are going to, well, they're good now. Don't get me wrong. I like tannins. But as it ages, those tannins are going to help balance out everything even more. It's got a... uh, uh, a blackberry taste to it, I think. It's along that line there. It's a, it's a nice, dark wine. I don't know what the blends are on it or anything else. 
if I knew it wasn't going to have anything on the bottle, and I should have checked it before she opened it and gave it to him, I looked it up. But very nice. I think it was, I think it runs around $18, $19 a bottle, if, if I'm not mistaken. So, But it's well worth it. It's well worth the price. This is... This is a nice wine. It can go with some barbecue. It can go with uh, uh, some lighter lighter meats if you want uh, pasta. If you've got a little bit heavier sauce on it, I wouldn't do anything too light because it's going to overpower. But very nice wine. Freak Show, uh, Michael David Joint, it says, but a Michael David wine, uh, Lodi. So, all right, very good. Back to... Mastering Wine with Janice Robinson, J-A-N-C-I-S, Janice, uh, Janice's, probably, because in British, you know. Buying wines, common mistake to avoid, practical guidance on handling and serving wine. Now, this is uh, levels beginners, great for individuals, uh, the note here says. Three and a half hours of on-demand videos and two downloads. So... I don't know what the downloads are, what they consist of. It doesn't say. Certificate of completion. At the end of it, you will be sent one. Or maybe it'll be presented to you online and you can print it. I don't know. It doesn't say that either. Uh, although that certificate of completion is not officially recognized, you can say, here, I got a course with Janice Robinson, Janice Robinson, and they'll say, oh, well, that's nice, but, you know. And it's going to cost you $109.99 for this. So if you are looking at getting information from the Queen's Wine Cellar, then there you go with that. Next one is Wine Masterclass. Now, this is with James Suckling. And he is world-renowned critic of wine. He breaks down how he rates wines with the 100-point system. He encourages the viewers to do the blind tastings at home uh, for their tasting techniques. Uh, The course is well shot, they say, and explores tasting, pairing, collecting, principal aspects of winemaking. He also, they say, a downfall. He brushes over some of the finer details without explanation. He'll mention something and just go on. And you'll say, what's that mean? What does that mean? So uh, if it's an on-demand, I believe it might be, then it would be good to be able to pause him and look up stuff if he doesn't give you full explanations. You do get a guide with the course that fills you in a lot of details. So you can also reference that while watching. You don't have to pause all the time. And it's for those who really already understand the basics, uh, how to taste and stuff like that. It's more of a confidence-building type course to see how uh, wine critic thinks and what his approach is. The level is intermediate, so you know, beginners, it might be a little bit beyond some of the things. You might skip over some of your basics that you might need. It is a two and a half hours of on-demand video 
and also includes a 38-page guide and also master class access, which whatever that means. Uh, I guess maybe he teaches it and you get access to it. No certificate at the end, and it's $90 per month. So I don't know how long it takes you to cover the two and a half hours of demand. I suppose you can do it in two and a half hours, but $90 a month. Next one. Everyday Guide to Wine. This is presented by Jennifer Samanetti Bryan. This was made back in 2010, and it's got a lot of detail. Uh, she's a master of wine, delivers a full course that includes wine fundamentals. So you can start at the beginning if you're a novice on this, and it covers early stuff. It also includes course videos on 14 major wine-producing countries along with their top regions, which in itself is is pretty good deal. Wines aren't included, of course, and most of them are not. But the course guide offers help to source them and how to get your own and all that. Uh, it's a very immersive experience, so be prepared to spend a fair amount of time on course wines. That's the ones that she recommends and that you should be trying. What's included in this? 12 hours of on-demand video. Also, a 168-page black-and-white course guide and wine purchase instructions to tell you how to get wine. No certificate at the end, just the knowledge that you acquire from the class. This is going to run you $215, but it doesn't say a limit on how soon you have to complete it or anything, referring to the one I just read, which is 90 a month. So... This is $215, and you can visit the great courses and get that. Uh, I think she was the one that taught the one that I saw in the great courses, too. Hmm. WSET is uh, the next, the uh, wine certification course that I mentioned earlier. Uh, to get this certificate, this is the certificate. This is put on by the Napa Valley Wine Academy. To get this certificate, it's a full five-week certification course that also includes six 187-milliliter tasting portions of wine. So that's it's over a glass, actually. It's, you know, but 187, that's... Uh, uh, a quarter of a bottle. Wines are shipped to U.S. addresses, so you can actually have them shipped to you if you live in this country. If you listen to it elsewhere, I don't know what the procedure is. During the course, you will explore factors that influence the wine style. You'll understand key grapes, label terminology, food pairings, and important wine regions. But what makes this course interesting is interacting with other students online and group tastings. You have, a, I don't know, it doesn't say here, but you have Skype or Zoom or something like that that will let you interact with other students. Uh, this course, uh, this course portion of the course is live and it's instructor-led, but 
you know, have that interaction, which is pretty cool. Level, beginner, intermediate. It's uh, a great resume, a resume builder if you're looking for something to get into. You can say you're at the level two certified WSET, so that's a thing. Uh, plus, you get a certificate at the end that it, it says that you're a WSET level two award certificate. The exam is taken in person, though. It's not online. You can't do it online because it's too easy to cheat. What's included in the class? You have two live webinars, six hours of on-demand videos, timed feedback test, tasting activities, teacher-student support, again, with other students, six 187-milliliter bottles of coarse wine, a mock exam, and one exam credit. That's so you can get certified. Cost, $599, $600. But if you're looking at moving up in the world of wine in any aspect, in stores as uh, wine shops or uh, in uh, restaurants or anything, it's money well spent. Visit Napa Valley Wine Academy. That'll get you to the information on the site that you need to go. Next one, Certified Specialist of Wine Online. This is by the San Francisco Wine School. This is a nine-week course led by Master Sommelier and Certified Wine Educator David Glancy. And they cover a whole bunch of stuff. They talk about wine tasting, terminology, composition, chemistry, flaws, viticulture, enology, labels, laws, and wine regions of the world. Hmm, excuse me. For nine-week course, it pretty much feeds you full of everything. For an online wine course, there are several layers of interaction. Glancy leads a live webinar series that includes discussion, peer interaction, and weekly tasting assignments, but you have to go out and buy your own wines, the ones that they're going to taste in the class. Upon completion and passing the exam, you get the CSW, which is Certified Specialist of Wine Certificate, and a PIN. Beginner, intermediate. It's a great resume, resume builder, they're saying, for individuals again. What's included in this? Nine weeks of live webinars, a year-long access to online courseware, slides and all sorts of information and stuff there, videos, tasting assignments, and examination. Do you get a certificate? Yes, but you have to take it in person at Pearson View Test Center. And let me click on that and tell you what the Pearson View Test Center is. The Pearson View Test Center is for test takers. This is certifications, uh, scheduling for computer-based exams, reschedule and cancel appointment fees, uh, certified wine educator, uh, does a test, a unique certification that not only tests kinds of attention, but doesn't say a cost there. 
certified specialist of spirits or certified specialist of wine. You can get any of those. Uh, Society of Wine Educators is the one that puts this on. So uh, this is actually the testing arm of the Society of Wine Educators is the Pearson view. So that's what that is. Uh, okay, so this course is going to cost you $1,095. $1,095 for the course. But it's a good course. You're going to cover a lot more. Obviously, the further, further down we go on this list, the more information you're going to learn, the more you're going to walk <clears throat> excuse me the more you're going to walk away with and the more you're going to more you're going to know regional wine scholar this is with the wine scholar guild this is actually for those who teach wine or are serious enthusiasts of foreign wines like french italian and spanish wines the wine scholar guild offers probably a more in-depth program on these three subjects than you're going to find anywhere else. Uh, to get the most out of the program, again, they send you a wine list, you buy the wines, and you go through the wines with the instructors and all that. Wine Scholar Guild has three certificates, French, Italian, and Spanish wine. And each includes a module, or each course, each module, includes a study manual, quizzes, digital study modules, an exam, and instructor support. So there are three different areas there. If you are into French wines, it covers that, Italian or Spanish. When you pass the examination, you will receive a certificate and a pin. Advanced. If you are taking this, the level is advanced. You need to know your basics already before you start doing this stuff because you will be lost. What's included in this course? A study manual, e-learning modules, eight live webinars. These are only in instructor-led courses. So if you take one that's not instructor-led, you won't get it. Learning objectives, instructor support, recommended wines, pronunciation, and an examination. You do get a certificate at the end. The cost, $595 on if you do the on-demand course. Now, not the instructor, but just the on-demand course, which leaves things out. Or you can go $790 and get the instructor-led course. Now, these are for each of the three different modules, the French, Italian, or Spanish. So it's not for all three. It's just each individual ones. You can visit Wine Scholar Guild and find out more information and go there and find out stuff. So those are things you can do to get educated on wine. But why wait? You can do it now. You don't have to go to all those courses. You don't have to do all this. I think most of the people that are listening to this show are listening to the show because they want to know things about wine. A lot of the free courses are going to give you that information about wine. You don't have to really 
spend a whole lot of money unless you're looking at expanding your knowledge and maybe going into the field of wine deeper. Again, working in stores, uh, wine shops, and stuff like that. And if you're doing that, then the paid courses would be an investment in your future. So you can do that. But start a tasting group. Get the group of friends together. And each person can bring a wine. I've, I've talked about this in the past. In fact, it's been a while since I've talked about this. But it's it's a great way to do it. Get yourself a group of friends who are interested in wine and start your own tasting group. And you don't have to have someone who's an expert there or anything because it just say uh, it's a fun thing anyway. That's all wine is. It's just fun, I think. I mean, it just you can go crazy serious about it and all that if you're working in the field and everything and, you know, have your wine reason be a sommelier and all that. But, you know, I'm I'm enjoying wine probably as much now in retirement than I did when I was actually working at it because it's something that's just fun all the time. So get a group of people together, four or five couples, which gives you a nice group, eight, 10, 12 people. You know, get yourself a group of of couples, individuals is fine too. I mean, if you're all singles, yourself a bunch of individuals together. Meet once a month, or more often if you're so inclined, but usually once a month. I had a group many years ago out in California. We used to meet once a month, and we used to rotate a different person's house each time. Who would like to host next month? And the host consists of being sure that they had glasses there, and then everything would be brown bagged. Call up people and say, okay, I want you to bring a Cabernet. Call up the next person, bring a Chardonnay. Next person, bring a Cabernet. Next person, Chardonnay. And just stick with a basic white and a red. And then you can come in and socialize. If you want to have a few odors, you can do that. But that's not really a requirement. This is a wine tasting. And then get them out and taste them. Brown bag them. Open it up and taste it. And make notes and ask, you know, find out what you think about it. And after all of them, mark the one you like best, one, two, three, four, five, or however many you have, and then reveal them. Take out the brown bag and reveal them. And sometimes it's amazing because, you know, it, it just, it's very easy. If people have the same taste in the group and stuff like that, it's very easy to have a duplicate wine and, uh, uh, maybe a different year, maybe the same year, but it's really fun to see how people score different wines too. So that's something you can look forward to. But have yourself wine tastings, and it will expand your knowledge of wine tremendously, and it will also help your friendships and stuff like this. Now I know we're stuck in the middle of COVID nineteen right now, and not supposed to have a whole bunch of people around. So keep your safe distance and do what you're supposed to and stay out of people's ways and all that stuff. But you can still have yourself uh, a good time with the wine. So take the classes or have a group or something or go back and listen to back episodes of All About Wine or tune in every week and listen to All About Wine and you can just start learning more and more and more. So, next thing I want to tell you, this is just a quick one. I saw this, and I wanted to share it with you, put you in on the 
on the ground floor, if you will, the, the thing. Biochar. Have you ever heard of biochar? B-I-O-C-H-A-R. This is the next big thing in vineyards. Biochar. They're talking about a lot of vineyards or viticulturists are talking about biochar. And most people don't have a clue of what it is. Biochar is a soil amendment that is gaining popularity in agriculture. Although it's still on the cutting edge of viticulture. And, you know, I say agriculture, that's all the other stuff. Viticulture, you're talking about grapes and all that. What it is is essentially pulverized charcoal. That's it. It has the ability to build organic matter in poor or depleted soils. It also boosts microbial populations and lowers a vineyard's need for nutrient and water inputs. This allows for less human intervention, as well as lowering the grower's cost of production and carbon footprint. So this means healthier soils, healthier vines, healthier environment, and a happy, happier grower. Biochar. Biochar is made by trying plant material in a low enough oxygen environment that it does not turn to ash. This is a process called pyrolysis, P-Y-R-O-L-Y-S-I-S. And it's described as the resulting material has a tremendous surface area for its size and as its adhesive surface bonds with charged ions, it can retain impressive amounts of nutrients from environmental loss while allowing them to be biologically available. Biochar is also extremely porous, which imparts a sponge-like ability to keep water in topsoil and to be a home and safe haven for micro microbial populations. So there you go. It goes on. The article goes on and describes all sorts of stuff about biochar and who's using it and how it's given an organic boost to the soils and biochar and terror and how it's helping. But bottom line, you know what it is. Charcoal. That's about all it is. So if you hear biochar or if you hear anybody I ever talk to say biochar, then you can smile and nod your head knowingly because you know what it is now. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, let's see. Oh, I just flashed on an email here. We have a guest confirmed for the 16th. So, and he's Rudy, and he's a biodynamic grower. So that's going to be exciting to talk with him. Okay. There was something else. Where is it? Uh, something else I want to tell you ending up here. Because of the sign of the times. I mean, you know, we all know what's happening in the world. We all know what's happening all around. The, the Black Lives Matter, the eliminating of a lot of our... Uh, let's see, is that the one? I believe so. Eliminating a lot of... Uh, uh, things that's that's happening here and there and and all that. But this is something that is wine associated and I wanted to bring this up. The court excuse me. 
court of master sommeliers will no longer use master as a title. Now, they're not going to drop master sommeliers. A lot of times, whenever they are referring to someone who has the uh, knowledge, um, what's my word? I can't think of it. Whenever they're referring to someone who is certified a master sommelier, they a lot of times refer to them as master. And a lady that writes for the San Francisco Chronicle, and let me see if I can find her name here. Uh, Sipping Socialite, she's what she goes by here, so I don't know what her name is. Uh, so, but she has objected to the use of just saying master. She says it seems like it's somewhat of a throwback to earlier times. So the Quartermaster Sommeliers of America said, yes, we understand. And so therefore, from now on, you don't address someone as master anymore. You address them as Master Sommelier and then their name and the whole title. And no longer just use the word master. So if you are in a position where you are in need of using the term are talking to a master sommelier, be sure that you use the whole title. This is the new terminology now. Uh, master sommelier will be addressed as such with both terms plus their surname. So uh, that would that's FYI. I could say I'm not going to comment one way or the other uh, for controversy or anything. I just wanted to pass that on to you. I saw that, and since we've talked about classes and becoming a certified master in certain things, the full title is appreciated. So, uh, oh, let's see. I just saw, no, thank you. I don't want that. I just saw something else here I was going to mention to you, too. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, no, that's not it. And let me go back. I know it's after 8, but Mike scheduled us for two hours tonight for some reason. So um, <laughs> It's better to schedule for too long than, what was that one show we did? It was 15 minutes. And we just started with like, oh, I oh, know. It's, it's oh, us we're over. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you and I sat around and went, uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> he was a nice that guy. That was a quick I mean, read. It was. It was <laughs> nice. I'd ask him, most of the time I ask people questions and they run with the question, you know, yeah. uh, you know, what what's in your vineyard? And they'll tell me, you know, what's in the vineyard and what's planted and how many acres and what's the soil. And they'll just expand on it. Oh, this young man, I ask him, what's in your vineyard? And he goes, we have Cab Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And how many acres of each? Ten, five, and four. And you know, and this is and that was the interview. That's how it went. I mean, I, I tried to drag one, and he gave us information. He was very knowledgeable. He just was not mm -hmm. one to expand on anything, and it was Ooh. it was it, it was it was funny almost. But yeah, it was a very short interview. Um, mm. 
I got is this the one? Yes, it is. A couple of things I want to talk about here before we leave tonight. Uh, is that it? No, that's it's the next page. It's not this page. Uh, and let me find that. Oh, well, there's more than that I want to talk about too. Uh, where is it? That's it. California wine grape growers expect to lose $437 million in lost sales due to COVID-19. $437 million. That's from the uh, California Wine Grape Growers Association. Uh, California Association of Wine Grape Growers actually is an official title. And they said that uh, it looks like they're at probably $437 million in lost revenue for growers this year because of COVID-19. Staggering. I, I'm sorry, but that's just staggering. Uh, when you take out $437 million out of pockets of people because of stuff like this, it, it's just uh, staggering. Wine clubs, mm-hmm. tasting rooms, uh, direct from winery things are working like that, but off-premise also includes supermarkets, liquor stores, club stores, wineries. Uh, on-premise includes restaurants, hotels, and stadiums. All this stuff it, it shut down. $437 million in lost sales. And that's you know a, a conservative estimate they're saying uh, so far. I'm not sure if that's even within the, the realm of all this... Uh, all this happening. Flat bottles. Are you ready for flat bottles? Uh, there's, uh, I think I mentioned this, but they're out now. Hardy's Sauvignon Blanc is coming in a bottle that was designed with a somewhat British predicament in mind, it says, to solve the problem of missed deliveries of wine to U.S. homes through the invention of full-size flat wine bottles designed to fit through an average United Kingdom letterbox. So a company's came up with uh, a London-based packaging developer Garcon Wines has came up with a bottle that is flat uh, and plastic. So if you order wine, it's not sitting on your front porch in United Kingdom. They can actually slide it through your mail slot and have it inside so then that way you're not going to get the wine stolen. They said there was a big incident of wines being stolen and uh, there's been a 600% rise in demand for wines in the United Kingdom because of the COVID-19 and there has been an increase in stolen wines because of COVID-19 people wine drive around and see the wine boxes. So they came out with this flat 750 milliliter bottle that will slide right through your mailbox made out of plastic and recyclable and all that good stuff. So cool. It's, it's, it's sort, of, sort of a neat little, little bottle. It's green. It is recyclable and it fits through a United Kingdom mailbox. So I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. 
and in the sea. Uh, Sonoma County is opening up their tasting rooms. It is official. They have their tasting rooms open uh, for visitors. Uh, social distancing, masks, all sorts of stuff will be worn by the staff. Uh, obviously, it's a little difficult to wear a mask if you're tasting. Uh, they are distancing people. They are doing everything they can there to try to keep people in the proper distance, six feet apart, and staff all has masks and gloves and everything. So Sonoma is back open again, trying to recover. There's more than 425 wineries that have opened their doors as of, wow, Monday? Yeah, as of Monday. Uh, they've opened up and starting to sell wine there. 18 AVA areas in Sonoma. 18. Oh, my gosh. Little small ones and everything, but there's 18 in Sonoma. So if you're out in California, Sonoma is open. You can go visit them again and start tasting the wines and stuff. And that's it for the night. I've got... I've, Got everybody caught up and all that, and we are good. All right. Um, let me update our last uh, scroll thing and tell everybody thank you for uh, tuning in, as always. While you're, and, while you're doing that, hmm? while you're doing that, just mm-hmm. one more thing. I got a hole in one. I got a hole in one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where is my sound effect file? <laughs> And let's go live to the golf course where Ron is making his putt. And he it is makes it. Look at that. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, well, let's hope for uh, many more and we yeah, want to hear yeah. about the about the next one. Um, yeah. But, you know, now that you've done it, the next one's just going to be like, oh, uh, guess no. what, folks? I made another one. You know? Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. 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 What yeah. else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna, we'll be sitting here going, yeah, okay. And then, but it was yeah, in the snow. Yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was in Arizona I where they had under- these, it doesn't roll. It has to go right in, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was on a boat that was moving yeah. in high waters, uh, yeah. rough waters, yeah. and I sunk yeah. the, uh, no pun intended, the, uh, <laughs> the ball. <laughs> First shot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. will that will make it. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, I'll just say oh, another one, and then we'll let it go up then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was good. Congratulations. That was a uh, that was a good. When Thanks. you posted that online, I was you used see you used code when you posted on your Facebook page, and I was like, what what in the world does this mean? Blah, 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 par blah blah blah. You know, yeah. whatever. I don't know the difference between a par eagle or or dove, whatever they call them. But then when you said, oh, I made a hole in one, I was like, oh wow. Now wow. you're speaking language. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Everybody that knows was, knows that. It's, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, you that was that was very good. Very very good yeah. accomplishment there. Thank Congratulations. You. That, that, I, thank um you. <clears throat> we are very happy. 
Um, Thank you. So next week we're going to be talking about golf and uh, on the golf show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll mention my next one now. I, yeah, we're done with golf. I think. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Um, anyway, thanks for uh, that'll be uh, July second. Is is that wow. our next uh, next Thursday? Already yeah, next, July second. Wow. Wow. So um, yeah. join us then. I don't have. Uh, Anything else here? Uh, I don't Something. have anything. Oh, no. Hmm. Oh, no. Hmm. Hope everyone had a good Father's Day. <laughs> well, I was just trying to think if there's any holidays or anything, and there's not. Hope everyone had a good Father's Day. Yeah. First day of summer's yeah. come and went. We forgot to say happy summer yeah. solstice. Um, so that's gone. And let's see what else is on the calendar coming up. Nothing on this calendar. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, we will end the, end the show, and we will see you all um, next uh, next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on Blog Talk Radio, Facebook, uh, Twitch, Mixer, Mob Crush, all those places. Uh, thank you, again. And just follow us. If you're listening to us on one of those platforms, you know, might as well like our page or, or follow us on those and uh, find out when the next show is going to be on. And uh, we'd love to have you um, join us and uh and tune in or comment, question, whatever. Uh, always welcome during the show. So, yes. Um, we'll see you all next time. Thanks again. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website, at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.